Welcome back to the Master of None podcast, where we go 365 days, bringing you a podcast every single day. Nothing is off the table. The intention of this podcast is to master the short form podcast, as well as informing, as well as entertaining. So sit back, relax, and listen, and enjoy the show. As we kind of get into tonight's episode, it's really important to understand that I'm going to be breaking down some political situations that are happening in Ecuador. I'm going to be reading a subreddit that is brought to you by, that is presented by Military Wire. It's really great for analytics about what's going on around the world. And I'm also going to be playing an Al Jazeera video. It's only about a minute long and that kind of breaks down the situation. But I think it's really important to understand what's going on in the current state is. Ecuador hasn't seen high levels of violence. In fact, it's probably one of the most peaceful countries in South America. So to kind of see this situation is really sad. And it's important to shed some light and understand it because for me, you know, I've been in Ecuador, I've lived in parts of Ecuador, and I've been in places where the violence is kind of happening right now. So for me, it's really interesting seeing what's going to happen, what's going to transpire, and go from there. So please enjoy it, and uh, and uh, let's get into the episode. So, kind of looking in, so I've having some tef, tef, technicalty difficulties. It's like there's nothing like um, making a podcast and then trying to find the time and effort to do it whenever you're kind of expending external time with with family. You know, that kind of can, can rain on it. But, you know, thanks for listening. Yesterday, I know that podcast in itself was a little interesting, a little bit different, but I'm going to try to get into some um consistent information hopefully it won't be interrupted but let's get into it so kind of getting into a story i've been covering and this is actually from a subreddit from the military wire like it's really great like they provide a lot of really in-depth information and analysis of different conflicts going on in the world that you probably couldn't find um anywhere else and this one is really going over the ecuadorian confront of a storm of violence So what we're happening in this situation is Ecuador is experiencing a wave of violence and the armed forces have been sent into the streets to support police forces to maintain and control peace. Now, if you're not familiar with Ecuador, the country is actually located in northern, um, the northern part of South America. And it's a really, I mean, it's a cool country. I mean, I've I've really enjoyed there. I've been a lot. It's where my wife's family's from. Um... So whenever going to Ecuador, it's always a great experience. And what's been so interesting is the last times we've been going, we've been hearing kind of about some, some how Ecuador is potentially transitioning or there's a little bit more danger than normal. And a lot of it is happening within the Guayaquil area, which is more south. You know, we spend a lot of time really in the, in the northern part of Quito. But what this article is saying is that um, Ecuador is experiencing a wave of violence. The armed forces have been sent to support the streets. So it's really coming off the fact that in last April there was an incident where 10 people were like killed in this crazy shootout in Guayaquil demonstrating that the Ecuadorian defense and security forces have, you know, a long road ahead of them for really how they're going to anticipate this. So if we look at it over the past year, violence has increased nationwide and the situation in Ecuador um, is developing as a result of overcrowded prisons and facilities without a sustainable staff in the up. And what this has done is it's not in uncommon in Ecuador or in Latin America. 
However, violence within Ecuador prisons have gained international notoriety in April and violence between inmates has really continuously happened, with at least 12 dead. Now, a new incident has occurred on May 9th, and the prisons throughout there have seen um, throughout these facilities of casualties. In October, there was an uprising happening in 2022 in the Cotopaxi prison. So as a result of these of, of, of the simple fact that they're not able to govern these prisons, maintain them, and have lawfulness, it's creating kind of a situation. So within the Cotopaxi uprising, uprising prison, there was about 15 people who died and 21 of them who were wounded. So out in the streets, the situation is equally problematic. The violence has hit Guayaquil in a particular way in late April, having over 10 people killed as a result of a shootout in a mechanic shop in the, in the southwest. In addition, violence has become quite common in public transportation areas and buses. The Ecuadorian Daily has described that these, these organizations themselves and groups of individuals carrying knives and guns in the streets and passengers according to Ecuadorian Research Center. The, thief, the thieves is creating public transportation, reading 3,000 incidents between January and 19, which is a, it's saying in 2023 is a slight decrease of 3,556, indicating that the same period of time in 2020, they assume that there's more incidents occurring that are not reported. So what this kind of created is a state emergency which put place in Guayaquil on April 1st for the Ministry of Interiors for Juan Zapa, saying in early May there was a, there's been a decrease of 16% violent death, citing that the state of emergency was created. According to Quito, there has been 1,697 arrests since April of the last year, including 143 gang leaders across the country. Up to 60% of the detained criminal records said Infobay Agency. So who is behind the violence? So what the media is really reporting is it's part of the Mexican cartel now operating in Ecuador and the profits even launching drug trade, including um, cartel, the Nuevos cartel, and the Sinaloa cartel. Ecuadorian gangsters working for the cartel or independence or independently the news agency b in american interviewed mario Pazim, pazimo a former head of ecuadorian intelligence services and a current professor at the los anders um, university when asked why ecuadorians have seen you know have seen so much insecure and violence pazman pazmino said that ecuadorians suffer a transformation, a, a transit country, from drug, drug trafficking, the country has become a hub. Right now, after Brazil, Ecuador is the most major export of cocaine from Latin America to Africa, Asia, Europe, and the Middle East. So because of the port in Guayaquil, it's really important to understand that if, if cocaine is being created within Colombia and sent to Guayaquil, the port is actually opening up and helping for a lot more strategics for logistics is probably what my thought is. Um, so going back to the article, the former intelligence officer noted that the Colombian government operated and combined narco insurgency and drug trafficking. So you're getting that whole situation of narco terrorism, which is really 
severe and if it's implementing and, and bleeding over in ecuador it's really showing um as a result of it with wileki on the ports what could potentially be happening so colombian forces um have faced the criminal network to move abroad naming namely to ecuador moreover this is a spillover effect in drug trafficking from colombia in the narrow department which borders ecuador split over into ecuador and um esmeralda's province which is really interesting because you know they do share a border and there was imports where ecuador and colombia are touching and within that region you can actually see it off the port like if you're in if you're at the ocean and you're off esmeralda's you can see parts of colombia so some 150 tons of colombian cocaine annually pass through ecuadorian ports airfields to europe said the ex-intelligent chief with that said giving from pro problematic it is determined how much cocaine is potentially being produced and trafficked throughout the numbers and it's probably potentially could be lower than this so 750 tons is quite a bit so the ecuadorian military marched forward on april on the 20th of april ecuadorian minister the defense gave a press briefing where he stressed the armed forces of Ecuador ready to confirm the enemies of peace to seek to terrorize Ecuador. So, like reading this article and thinking about potential political state, is it looks like really there could have been a point where you know Ecuador is centrally located and allows them logistically where it's a pass through for cocaine. And what's happening now is it looks like there's potentially could be battles and or fights or or small narcotic drug wars happening within wild kill potentially batting battling for strategic gain and this is probably the first spillover we've seen like this um so it's really interesting to see what could potentially happen within the future if this is what's going on but i really think it's really focusing on the port town of wild kill so i'm going to read a little bit more and then include with that but i think with this information it's really interesting to see you know what potentially is going to happen with ecuador as it gets kind of worse it looks like and it's it's forcing a situation so as i read on it indicates that the ecuadorian army regularly posts updates on operation nationwide to crack down on crime for example truce assistance and the Infra infantry brigade in pinchicha carrying out security operations in quito in mid-april including vehicle checks the operation resulted in a seizure of six edge weapons and 100 grams of green substance. The homemade alcohol in February operated along the border with Colombia resulted in a stopping of two vehicles with Ecuadorian license plates that have crossed the border and a total of 100 or 249 kilograms of cocaine were found abroad in the province. Troops and modernized infantry um, as a result of it, arresting Ecuadorians carrying one 9mm Uzi, a 9mm gun, ammo, and finally in mid-April, the battalion troopers conduct vehicle checked into the Chinchipa province. An Ecuadorian pass aboard a taxi was indicated and searched in the transport of $74,000. Um, could not be what's actually found on them, cash from it. So we're kind of looking at the situation where it looks like you're having a transition of drugs and money as a pass-through, indicating that if it's a pass-through country, then there's a lot more going through it as it obviously is going to 
other parts of the world. While there is a nature and obvious preference of English-speaking international media outlets to focus on the bloody incident, like the prison violence, and at least above the recent armed operations, it's helpful that to illustrate the size of a problem Ecuador, who work for criminal entities, are being able to potentially be targeted as a narco-courier, which create more issues. So, whenever you study this, you know, it really depends on a multitude of things. It's like, whenever we look at countries that are participating in this or know about it, obviously, you know, the question is, how high does it go politically? You know, is there that much aware of it from, from the highest office or is it more state and local? Because the governments within these situations and operating are going to know. And it makes you wonder how good the intelligence is and how they're sharing. Like, what's really interesting is if we think about, like, security for um, the United States, where a lot of the security is held from a military standpoint of this is actually in um, Colorado Springs, located in South Command or Southcom, where they kind of work through these different issues. So it's interesting to see, you know, I don't know how much, you know, the United States is working through these aspects of Colombia, but Colombia and Ecuador, but it's really interesting as the story kind of culminates. So I'm probably just want to get in there because I think that's enough information about it. I can give you guys, depending on if you want more information of part two, where I do a deeper dive on Ecuador. I've lived in Ecuador. I absolutely love it. So to hear that something like this is happening is, is it's really kind of sad because, you know, whenever you go there, you go into Quito, you go in those areas, it's so peaceful and the people are really, really respectful. I've never been down to Guayaquil. I haven't really seen what could potentially be happening as it relates to drug cartels, drug trafficking, as it's kind of transitioning into a narco courier state from what, what is understood. You know, 750, pound, 750 tons of coca, cocaine is a lot of processed cocaine, and this is going in and out of the border. It's going to potentially create more issues. And if there's cartel coming down like the Sinaloa cartel or they're battling for it, that's really the big issue too because what it really looks like is Ecuador strategically located, and, you know, whenever the cocaine's being created or made, sometimes they make it, they manufacture it in Colombia, and that's actually what they're shipping to the Sinaloa cartel, and the cartels are pushing it out to North America. So if you do have a situation where you're battling for that part, and this is kind of the first aspect of it with the, with the 10 people being assassinated, or not assassinated, but a shootout in April, and then you're kind of looking at the prison riots, it's going to be interesting to see what is going to happen in the coming months. So thank you guys so much for listening. We'll process that, and we'll get back to you tomorrow. One last thing, you know, guys, go follow me, like if you can, and um, let's keep this going. You know, I think, you know, the whole point of this is to kind of focus on the journey, learn, learn from it. Obviously, you know, you know, you got to take it one day at a time. So thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll get back to you tomorrow.